Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and this is part two of USPS. So let's go ahead and get started on this one, and that is the United States Postal Service. So it says here the USPS operates one of the largest civilian vehicle fleets in the world with an estimated 227,896 vehicles, the majority of which are the easily identified Chevrolet Grumman LLV long life vehicle and the newer Ford Utilimaster FFV flex fuel vehicle, originally also referred to as the CRV carrier route vehicle. made from 1987 to 1994 and with no air conditioning, no airbags, no anti-lock brakes and lacking space for the large modern volume of e-commerce packages, the Grumman fleet ended its expected lifespan in fiscal year 2017. The LLV replacement process began in 2015 and after numerous delays, a contract was awarded in February 2021. to Oshkosh Defense to finalize design and produce 165,000 vehicles over 10 years. Now, what I want to mention here is that those vehicles, I I know what they look like. They're small white cubes on wheels basically. And I didn't know that they lacked all those basic uh features of a vehicle, no air conditioning, no airbags, no anti-lock brakes. Um I just think it's very interesting that the federal government um doesn't care very much about its employees because if they actually cared about them they would have them in just basically nice vehicles that have airbags that have anti-lock brakes because i think those are just basic necessities within a vehicle and also they have been driving these kind of vehicles for a long time and it's taken a long time for the federal government to wake up to the fact that these are not very good vehicles Another thing it made me think of was uh, I go walking in our neighborhood all the time and I know not to get behind or walk behind one of their uh, USPS vehicles because they are gas guzzling vehicles. I don't know if they're diesel or not. I like diesel vehicles, but now they are made better so that they are polluting less. But if you're standing behind one of these vehicles, it is just like you're getting gassed i mean hopefully you don't have copd because if you do it's going to be very difficult to walk behind these vehicles and i don't have copd but it was hard enough for me to breathe so i had to cross the street or i had to change the time that i would go walking in our neighborhood because of the exhaust and the fumes from our uh, postman's vehicle And I just think that's really it's hypocritical and sad at the same time that we have the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, which is a federal agency within the federal government of the United States, but we also have the USPS, which is a federal agency again within the federal government of the United States. And the EPA lectures us about our carbon footprint, about pollution, but yet you have a federal agency like USPS that has been polluting for years. they know their vehicles are not top of the line and they know they smell bad they're not safe and they um are polluting quite a bit and i just think it's very hypocritical when you have one agency that is just lecturing the people but then they're they're polluting themselves at a very high rate so i'm just surprised that they haven't come up with a better vehicle sooner 
and also just for the safety of the employees because this tells me that the federal government doesn't really care about their own employees. So if they don't really care about their own employees, why would they care much about you or me? Like our safety and things like that. Because it's just it's hypocritical and it just doesn't look very good because it's not good for a government to behave that way. But moving on it says it is by geography and volume the globe's largest postal system delivering 47% of the world's mail when they're not striking that's the thing. You have to remember that statistics, you know, once the data is printed, it's old data. So just look at it this way, if someone is striking and they work for USPS, they they're not doing their job. They're not delivering the mail. They're not delivering my mail or your mail or anybody else's mail. So that rate to me would be quite a bit lower considering how many times they have striked and how much mail they refused to deliver. So it goes on to say for every penny increase in the national average price of gasoline, the USPS spends an extra 8 million dollars per year to fuel its fleet. Now, what I what I'm thinking I should do, and I probably will do this is I'll have an episode on this podcast that is dedicated to learning about fuel pricing in the United States. Because sometimes people get really angry about the pricing of fuel and they think that it's all because of the so-called evil gas companies and things like that. There are so many taxes, state and federal, particularly federal tax that is attached to every gallon of gas that is sold. So just because gas prices went up, it does not necessarily reflect that the company that is producing that gas is just inflating the cost and trying to make a bunch of money. Because here's the thing, you have all these taxes and fees that are sold on per gallon of gas. So it's not always the business owner, it's not always the producer of that fuel that is the problem. There are a lot of taxes that are associated with our fuel costs and I'll give an example. Um my mom and I went to Italy several years ago. Um it, it was a, it was a religious pilgrimage and I'm not religious by any means, but um we went to go see the these different sites of um in Rome, uh, Capri, Anna Capri, just really beautiful early Christian buildings and things like that and it was really neat to learn the history. Well, when we got there, there were some people rioting. They were really angry. Um the, the Italians. And the Italians can gripe about almost anything and they're funny, but this was actually really serious. Like they were really mad at their government and here's what happened. Their government in Italy is in charge of the pricing of fuel. So whenever the government thinks that people are driving too much over there in Italy, they jack up or increase the cost of fuel tremendously. So it punishes the citizens. We'll see here's the thing. Just because their government raised the price on fuel, that didn't stop people from having to go to work or having to go to the grocery store. And that's why the Italian people were so mad. These rates were horribly expensive, and I'll give an example like when we originally signed up for this trip, it was like a year in advance because you had to have so many people go in order for the trip to come to pass, right? Because you kind of got a semi-group discount. But there was this little disclaimer down at the bottom of the paper that we signed, you know, our name and all that kind of stuff. It said that this price could go up based on fuel. So not only could it go up because of the cost of jet fuel, it could also go up because of the cost of fuel in these other countries. So they pass that cost onto the consumer, onto the customer, onto the citizens, onto the visitors, onto the foreigners. Like that's just how it works over there. 
So it was kind of one of those things like, you know, you may be paying, I'll just make up a number, you could be paying $2,000 per person, but you could actually be on the hook for $1,000 more per person if the government of the country that you're going to visit has a huge hissy fit about cost of fuel and ups the price of it. That's the thing. So you don't want your government in charge of your health care or the price of gasoline or anything like that because governments do not understand the market. They think they do. They try to preach that they do. They do not. They're actually quite horrible at managing money because they mismanage money. And there were so many different strikes taking place in Italy when my mom and I went. It was really sad because it's a beautiful country, but their people are frustrated. And the thing that just kind of... dawned on me and I was thinking about in case you're wondering at that bark is that's the beagle that lives here at this apartment complex very loud but anyway and um, the thing that really got my attention was you know the the Italian people they complain about almost everything and but yet they still keep voting in bad people they keep voting in fascists communists socialists it's like if you keep voting in people that are pro big government Then why are you surprised when your government overspends your tax dollars that you pay, wants to up taxes on everything, gasoline, bread, milk, toiletries, cars, everything, especially property tax sometimes over there. So it's just kind of like, you know, I understand their complaints, but I think if you keep electing bad people into office, you really have no place to complain because you're the problem, not your leader. because your leader uh, your leader reflects you and your choice and your vote. So if you continue to cast your vote for bad people, you really have no one to blame but yourself. Because I would think that, you know, let's say for example, you know, we vote in a president and he he or she just turns out to be really bad. Well, you don't vote them in a second term. You let them finish their term. and you just know in your heart and your mind and your soul that you're not going to vote for them again because of stuff that they did and they didn't handle it well or whatever the case may be but i don't know there're just some countries in Europe that they just they just like to complain they like to go on strike you know they they like to really be vocal but when it comes down to it they don't want to fix the problem they just don't and at some point i get sick of hearing about it and you know there was um i can't remember what strike they were having that was right in front of our hotel. Um we stayed at this one hotel in Rome. It was really pretty. It was close to where we need to be like within walking distance. And we we left on one day and we were in Newark, New Jersey, I think, awaiting our next flight to come back home to Oklahoma. And we look up and we see the news and there's this huge riot and just destruction. and it's right in front of our hotel and like some of the windows of our hotel have been shattered and these people were throwing another strike they were having another hissy fit and just violence broke out right in front of our hotel and it damaged some of our hotel and we were just there that morning we had to leave super early to get to the airport in Roma Italy but i just thought wow i'm so glad we left because it was getting really dangerous and that's the thing about italy it has pockets of danger it can just spring up for no reason at all or they can think they have a good reason and it's like there's no reason for violence like that it was really weird so i don't remember what they were striking about with the with the destruction of part of our hotel um i don't know if that was in regards to the fuel cuz they were striking about everything if they could complain about something they did um 
there was another strike that was going on in Italy. So we were in Pompeii. That was a really neat place to see the archaeological sites and things like that. And what I noticed was that there were all these young people walking around like they should have been in school. They were like in they looked like they should have been like middle school age or high school age, but for sure middle school age. I was like, "Why aren't these kids in school? They're just walking around." So I asked our tour guide, I said, "Hey, can you ask these young people why they're not in school? Because it's it's the school year." And I just kind of thought it was odd. So our tour guide said, "Sure." So she goes over there, speaks Italian to them and asks them, "Hey, how come you're not in school? One of our um American visitors would like to know." And they they told our tour guide everything. And then our tour guide comes over and says, "They are striking." I was like, "Striking what?" And I guess What happened was there was a minister of education that got elected or she got hired to run the school system in Italy. And she was trying to privatize it because their school system basically sucked. It wasn't very good. And their education had gone down in Italy, and so she was trying to privatize it to make it better. Well, the teachers were very much pro-socialist, pro-fascist. I don't think they were communist, but they were definitely socialist and fascist. And so these teachers got all these students riled up and encouraged them to go on strike with them because they did not want to take orders from this lady that was trying to make their school system better. And so um I'm trying to think what else There were other things that were going on with their school system. So these students, they just refused to show up to school along with the teachers. They just went on strike, and I like my mouth just dropped, like all of our mouths dropped in our group. Because I just thought, you know, when I was their age, all I knew was who the principal was. I didn't know who the superintendent was, and I would have never known to go on strike. Like who does that? Like how how defiant can you be against authority? But that's how Italians are, especially over in Italy. It's like if I don't agree with you, I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do what I want. Well, that doesn't work, and we can see that because their economy is not that great. It's been it's been on uh, the the other side of the hill, so to speak. It's been going through a slump for a long time. This is nothing new. But what has happened over there in Italy is that because of their defiance, it has actually jeopardized their economy. It has jeopardized their government, and it is ruining ruining their educational system. Unless you know you're going to university, but I mean like pre-university years, it's ruining their education. So I don't even know if all their students are even able to get into universities, considering that if they're going on strike and not choosing to go to school, how can they graduate? and how will they know enough to get into college that's the thing like you know you have to be mindful of what you're what you're irritated about and what you're striking against because you could actually be shooting yourself in the foot so that was one of the things that came to mind when i was thinking about the cost of fuel and just some of the things the problems that people have in other countries it's not just us the united states is not alone in the problems that we have but our problems are not as bad when compared to other countries so that's why I don't ever want to be like someone else's country, especially in Europe where they have a lot of socialism because a lot of their countries their currency is weak. A lot of their people either don't want to work or they can't find a job or they go on strike or they keep electing the same bad people just continuously. And then they wonder why their countries are in the tank and then they expect us to bail them out. And that's why I don't think our tax dollars should ever be sent to another country. They need to stay in the United States. 
Because that's the American thing to do. Like, we are not the world's piggy bank. If someone wants money and they're in another country, they need to go to their banking system and figure out what they can do. We are not responsible for other people's failures. They are responsible for their own failures because what's interesting is that these other countries, they don't want to be responsible for their failures, but yet they want to take credit for their successes. So it's like, you know what, if you want to take credit for your success, then you also need to take responsibility for your failure, for your failures. Because it goes both ways. Like you have to you have to call a spade a spade. That's just how it is. And what I've learned is that the more socialist a country is, the less they want to be held accountable for their actions. They less the less they want to be held accountable for the spending of other people's money. They just want to spend money frivolously. Well, that's not being a responsible adult. So no wonder their their kids don't have they don't always have very good morals or ethics when it comes to money because their parents have been teaching them that oh the government should just spend whatever it wants. Well, no wonder their economies are in the tank and they don't understand basic business principles of supply and demand, accounts payable receivable, taxes, audits, things like that. and having a budget. See, that's the thing. A lot of socialists, they don't want a budget because they don't ever want to hear the word no. They're like a little kid. They don't want to hear the word no. It's it's just like, you know, at some point you have to take your pampers off and grow up. That's the thing. Because if you never grow up, then you're never really going to see the fruition of your ideas. You're never going to be truly successful if you keep acting like a child. And that's what we see here. in trade unions, labor unions, our federal government, our social welfare programs and socialistic countries. Lack of accountability, overspending. Those things go hand in hand all the time with socialism and fascism for sure and communism, but I think it's worse than socialism because communism they just steal your money. They don't even care to tell you the truth. They, they don't even well, they don't even necessarily they don't tell you the truth, but but they also don't even care to to um hide the truth from you sometimes. They're just like, yeah, we're the communist party and we want your money because you don't deserve it. Sometimes they really are that blunt. Other times they lie and they make it seem like everybody else that's rich is stealing from you, so then they're hoping that these communists are hoping that you will vote for them so that way they in turn can steal from the rich. They try and play the Robin Hood card. Well, they're not really being a Robin Hood. in that respect they don't really care about other people and plus there's no excuse to uh, participate in thievery of any kind because thievery is just that thievery you know to give yourself permission to do anything within that realm shows a lack of character and lack of ethics we've already seen that in other economies and other countries so probably shouldn't practice that in any way shape or form because it's also illegal and immoral but let's go uh, go ahead and finish up this section It says the number of gallons of fuel used in 2009 was 444 million at a cost of 1.1 billion. The fleet is notable in that many of its vehicles are right-hand drive, an arrangement intended to give drivers the easiest access to roadside mailboxes. Some rural letter carriers use personal vehicles. All contractors use personal vehicles. Standard postal-owned vehicles do not have license plates. These vehicles are identified by a seven-digit number displayed on the front and rear. The Department of Defense and the USPS jointly operate a postal system to deliver mail for the military. 
This is known as the Army Post Office for Army and Air Force Postal Facilities and the Fleet Post Office for Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard Postal Facilities. In 2013, the Postal Service announced that on Saturdays it would only deliver packages, mail order medicines, priority mail, and express mail effective August 10, 2013. However, this change was reversed by federal law. in the consolidated and further continuing appropriations act of 2013 they now deliver packages on sunday only for amazon.com meaning that carriers make parcel deliveries 7 days a week during the 4 weeks preceding christmas since 2013 packages from all mail classes and senders were delivered on sunday in some areas parcels are also delivered on holidays with the exception of thanksgiving and christmas the period between thanksgiving and christmas is the busiest time of the year for the USPS with agency delivering an estimated 900 million packages during the period of 2018. Now what I want to make a note here with this is that you know several years back, you know back in the 1970s when they had that strike, it was during this time that they refused to deliver people's mail. So just imagine how many millions of packages they refused to deliver because they threw a hissy fit. So they didn't want to do their job. and they basically ruined a lot of people's christmases and they they had the ability to do that because their agency has too much power so if it had been me back then i would have said well if you're not going to show up and do your job then we're going to hire those lovely people that you call scabs and we're going to do our job because if you're not going to do it we will find somebody that will because that's what you do when you make a promise to the people because here's the thing when people purchase postage That's a contract between the sender and the post office and the post office once they take that money and they put postage on that package they are obligated by federal law to deliver that package but unfortunately because this agency which is a federal agency has has been given too much power they were able to go on strike and not do their job so if anything i think all those people back in the 1970s you know 1970 1971 when the strike happened those all those customers should have been refunded their money because the usps didn't do their job so they basically took the money and said up oh, we're taking the money but we're not doing our job merry christmas that's basically what they did if it's not right for you or for you or me to do that it's not right for them to do that see that's where you have to be cautious about the power of federal agencies because too much power always leads to a lot of problems that's why we have three branches of government is so that not one branch can outrun the other or overrun the country but unfortunately when you have federal agencies with these bureaucrats that take over a lot of things and they're given way too much power literally they have too much power and it's a problem so it goes on to say in May 2019 the postal service announced that it will be releasing a pilot of self-driving trucks oh that sounds scary to haul mail across the US. The 18-wheelers were developed by startup company Too Simple. The pilot will last 2 weeks, making 5 total round trips to cities across the country. What I don't like about self-driving vehicles is they have a tendency to kill people. So, I believe that human drivers are better than computer drivers for sure. Then it says in early May 2020, the USPS's Board of Governors confirmed it's either Lewis or Lois DeJoy would be the new postmaster general. So that is it for this podcast. The next podcast will be part 3 and we will talk about operations and budget and maybe a little bit more because we're going over a little 20 minutes. I don't want to have this be too long, but just really think about 
what it means to have a federal agency and how much power do you want them to have do you really want someone to be able to walk out on the job and it's it halts everything because we've seen this before with the air traffic controllers and that's why president reagan at the time when dealing with that crisis he basically said you have less than 24 hours to get to work or you're all fired and he had every right to do that because it it's not right for one group of people to punish the entire united states just because they don't get their way they act like a little kid well if you are an adult you're not supposed to be acting like a little kid like if i'm not supposed to be acting like a child then neither is anybody else that's over the age of 18 because here's the thing the age of reason i think is technically 7 or 8 so the thing is it's like as children grow you're you're trying to mold them and train them and mentor them to be responsible adults what i don't understand about labor unions and certain federal agencies it's like once they join a union or once they get into power in a federal agency it's like all the rules go out the window and they can become just a spoiled rotten little kid that acts like a bully and doesn't have to behave in a in a appropriate adult like manner they can just throw a hissy fit and then try and get all the money that they want and sometimes they do get all the money that they want and then they're not responsible with that money they act like an only child that is just spoiled rotten you know and that that's a problem and that's not how federal agencies are supposed to behave but here's the thing these federal agencies are operated by adults they're not operated by kids so if they are an adult which they are they should act like one and they should take into account that the job that they have it's a form of service meaning they're supposed to serve the people not the people serve them That's where you you understand how people look at power and how they utilize it, where they use power for good or for evil. That's that's how you have to look at because that's what's been going on with this and that's what's been happening with USPS for several decades. This has been going on since long before 1970. Like just because that's when they threw a hissy fit, that doesn't mean stuff wasn't happening before for sure. But anyway, I will go ahead and end this podcast. So as usual, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole. And that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.